Bro, it looked like you had a hangover because you were just like <laughs> chilling in church with your sunglasses on. Which is why people actually really like, I think, older hymns is that no one can disappoint you after they're dead. Yeah. Hero. Yeah. Hero. A sandwich is not a hero. The guy eating the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Like Chasing Wind. This time, it's our part two of the music commentary episode. With us today is me, your co-host, Joe Adams Philly, one of our good friends, Classic Brett, and St. James the Lesser, author of Feel the Heels, My Presence Shuts Hospitals Down. Well then, <laughs> yeah, also known as Jimmy. So we're jumping back into our conversation. Last time we talked about the Christian music industry at large and left off by discussing some of our own favorite albums so that we weren't complaining the entire time. This time we're going to start talking about genre, style, and just liturgy of worship music. Let's get into it. And jumping into that whole discussion, um, I think it's getting a little over the top. How much, <laughs> like, how your church could be close to closing in six months budget-wise, and yet you've got, like, a $30,000 stage. I think there's, I, I think Christians take the whole performance aspect to a little bit of the next level. Can the two of you kind of relate to this concept? I think I'm going to be particularly biased because I, I play an instrument that's exclusively electric. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It does not... I play bass, primarily. Um, and I don't play the, oh, this large standing bass. And my and acoustic bass guitars are awful. Yeah. It, there's the, You pay like three grand before you get a half-decent one. Um, so... I get pretty, I get defensive when people talk about, oh, you should just... All worship should just be unplugged. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I have a purpose on this stage. Yeah. I have a purpose in this band. Yeah. Um, and people saying that to me just show the fact that they don't understand music. Like right. they don't understand yeah, musical structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, when you've got a laser light show spinning around fog machines, like people walking around with cameras to point at individual members of the, of the band to show on screens while yeah. the songs are going, you're moving into performance territory. Cause worship, it's ne- like, I, I, would never call myself a performer when I'm a part of a worship band or a part of a church's worship team. It's not performance. We are a medium. We are providing a medium that which that helps people in worship because music just yeah. has a way of affecting the soul that simple preaching cannot necessarily do. Right, but I'm going to counterpoint here because uh, as much as I understand the need for all the electrics, and honestly... You want a sound system, you do. You want the speakers, you want yeah, to be able just to... Yeah, logistics. That. Logistically, in a large auditorium, it just mm-hmm. makes sense. Right. And then you want flexibility, because you can do things with elect- electric instruments you can't do with acoustics. So right. it's nice to have the balance. But when it's so loud that you can't hear <laughs> the person next to you, or like two mm-hmm. seats down, and you've lost the feel of the collective body of worshipers all singing together, and all you can hear is the performance that's happening on stage, it begins, to me, that's one of the crippling things for me that's always pulled me out of worship is whether or not I'm singing, I can't hear the people next to me, they can't hear me, nobody really knows what's going on. It's all about personal experience. Right, so as long as as I'm moving my mouth up and down, everyone thinks I'm I'm going along. Now, the one week, um, I have an eye condition, so I had my sunglasses on because I'm... uh, 
uh, photosensitive. I had a migraine. The, the worship leader came up to me afterwards, and he's like, bro, it looked like you had a hangover because you were just, like, <laughs> chilling in church with these sunglasses on. And I told him, who knows, I might have. But, but usually I feel so disconnected no i did not have i know i know i didn't have a hangover (laughs) during church no um that's not in this decade at all not in this decade good um but i just don't feel connected to the the body of worshipers like i feel like i don't i don't think i'm not going to disagree with you Mm -hmm. um music is congregational worship is congregational and that is one of the potential vices and easy pitfalls of worship bands Mm -hmm. that it becomes this Here's the band, here they're leading us, and here are you secondary worshippers yep. that are supposed to join in and follow. Well, that's all yeah. we do. We just look or at the even, screen. Or even, the band's not really worshipping. They're just here to like play the music, and you're supposed to worship. Yeah, there's a, becomes a, there becomes a separation between yeah. the band and from the congregation where right. actuality it's one unit. Um, it does not feel... And now, we go to different churches. That, me and from the two of you, there's different feelings. But even at the church I'm at now, the churches I've been at previously, I, I, I've just had a tough time really grafting into the whole contemporary feel of it because there's such a it feels like a concert like you know okay here's the concert portion of church and then here's the church part of church and And the the funny thing is now when you go to like christian music concerts they're all supposed to be or they're all trying to basically be worship services yeah they feel like they feel like a service they feel like a service even a lot of them even just bring pastors with them and how do you tell the difference exactly like what's what's the actual difference anymore yeah and it's interesting hearing because we're involved in actually like planning worship stuff now Mm -hmm. how some churches try and get past it like i know some churches who don't put their band on the platform and actually will have the words up front and then have the band off to the side facing the words as well Mm -hmm. um so there's not much connection i know of some that won't use lead lead singers um and that have like a group sing portion of it which musically can be really challenging um so like i like the harder to follow I like the idea of just like there's not one person leading us in worship, mm-hmm. but from a from a logistics from a logistical standpoint, it, it's problematic. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I hear a guy like Luke Mikalak, who people may know, walk up front with a guitar and go, "Hey, everybody, we're going to sing a song now," and then just start going into a hymn, and then you hear the rest of the room take over, mm-hmm. that to me is when I feel the most connected. And it doesn't even have to be a hymn; it could be a generic song. But when I feel there's a worship person up there. And they begin to play, and they begin to sing, but then you feel everyone Everybody along else. come with yeah. you. Yep. That's where I feel the most energized to to do corporate worship. And I think that's how it should be. The Psalms are full of language of we will sing this to each other. Mm-hmm. We yeah. will do that. We will declare this. It's all it's plurality. There's very few I statements mm-hmm. in Psalms unless mm-hmm. it's talking about personal David singing about personal suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, it's all, it's usually understood of. There's people with David doing going through the same thing. Yeah. Right. Or he um, wrote it for other people. Like, yeah. Right. Or like all of Israel surrounded by people that want to kill them. So there's a collective idea yeah. that we could all die at any minute because we haven't seen the rest of the Bible. Yeah. So they have no clue what's going to happen. And a lot of them have the subtitle, like, these are meant to be sung. Yeah. And so now this is something that I didn't, I, I didn't prompt either the two of you with. It's not in the outline. But where do you think the shift happened where do you think we went from okay ted baldwin's up front with a piano and we're singing out of the hymns together to now all right live on stage for the first time debuting their album premiere is your local worship team and the fog comes out and the laser lights like where did it where did it change i can take a shot in the dark but this is not something i've studied historically it's really for me i think it's just when 
when our culture created rock stars, our church imitated it. Yeah. Um, like there, like Johnny Cash is someone I think of. Like when I think of like the transition to actual age of rock you stars, you all black, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Great song. Um, <laughs> but it's just that okay. People started learning guitar and started learning it in ways that you could play along with the piano rather than like your classic Spanish guitar where it's all finger strumming. Yeah. Um, it learned ways to fit and like, oh, why don't we try this out there? And then we moved away from hymnals. You can trace church history of like, okay, the non-denominational church movement. So now we're not, we're going to cast away our, in addition to casting away church polity and church struck and great larger church structures, we're going to cast away our hymnals and start picking songs that, that we probably like for ourselves. It, the non-denominational was probably when it started going out the window. Yeah. Um, because all that was to serve as many people as possible. Yeah. Let's, it's let's a little kind of, sensitive. Yeah. Water down a little bit of everything, make it really general, give everybody hoagies. And like, that was, Dude, where are you going to church that they give out hoagies? And why am I not going to this church? Like, I'd be so much more energized. They're like, hey, if you come on time for worship, you get a hoagie. I'd be there every week. Like, if it was an Italian, a sweet. That'd be awesome. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, anyway, if we ever get a listener that's not inside Philadelphia, they're going to be really confused right now. A hoagie yeah. is, a, is a very long cylindrical sandwich that you cut the bread down the middle, and then you just put a bunch of things in it, and then you eat that long cylindrical. It's wrongly sandwich. known as a sub. Or in a hero. Some places. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, a, a hero. Yeah, hero. a sandwich is not a hero. The guy eating the sandwich. <laughs> 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 That's stupid. Whoever that said is that. a soundbite I am stealing. <laughs> That's, yeah. So does not pop. That's the noise the top makes when it comes. To, people are just they're describing all the wrong things with their words. You foreigners and your foreign words and your water. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, now that we're done being prejudicial against other people, Philadelphia was good enough for the founding fathers. It is good enough for the rest of America. We are the definitive accent. That's right. Our <laughs> accent is an American accent. We have the Westminster Catechism. <laughs> there you oh, go. I mean, yeah. Come on. If I mean, if you're listening to this, we have Westminster. We have Westminster. Wait, didn't Tim? Keller used to live here at one yes, point. He, did. he used to live and here. Paul Tripp. And, and Paul Tripp. Tripp. Oh, and we got Shailene. 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 Our reformed theological seminary was Come at us, rest of America. <laughs> <laughs> we the roots. Yeah, we the roots. So uh deflating off our ego trip uh, <laughs> and getting back a bit to reality. Yeah, I, I guess that's I think well, I'm going to put, throw a question to you as a general listener because I think Brett and I might have a similar opinion to this. How would you feel if you showed up at church one day and I'm going to pick a genre of music that you actually probably like and the music, the worship, <laughs> the, worship <laughs> the worship session was done in a blues style. In a blues style. You still, all knew, you still knew all the melodies, but the, mm-hmm. the instrumentation was done in such a way that it was bluesy. I'd probably have an easier time relating to it because it wouldn't feel so cheesy and so camp and so... Right. 90s what if you show up next week and it's latino influenced i don't mind that actually i mean i, right. I country i'd uh, probably drive me nuts yeah, <laughs> metal yeah. would well, drive me less nuts than country rap depends on who if it was like shylin <laughs> ah, i might that might be interesting no but so i have issues with edm it, dance music oh, oh no, gosh no 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 yeah. i've hit my limit yeah. I, I can do swing i can do rockabilly i have a rockabilly i don't know fun. yeah <laughs> but i get it so if it was in it okay what's so, the point you're trying to yeah. is it like at what point there's nothing more inherently spiritual about any genre of music and i yes. dare anyone listening to this to prove to me otherwise mm-hmm. there's nothing spiritual about the way you do your chord progressions yeah. and the instrumentation that you use. So 
how do we choose what approach to use in our music playing? Well, I think it comes down to the idea that all churches are essentially a monoculture, whether or not they're, it had nothing to do with the race or the, or the genders involved, but generally speaking, a church from Philadelphia, they're all people from Philly. A church from L.A., they're all people from L.A. Now, you might say, oh, but it's, it's a diverse church. Well, really? Yes, you might have different genders and ethnicities, but they all live in that neighborhood and they experience that. We had the exact opposite conversation together. at our worship band meeting, actually. Yeah. What's that? You have a monoculture ha- church? No, no, no. We have a ridiculously statistical outlier of a church when it comes to diversity. Because they're all from a different We're parts. We're the rare of- breed. Yeah. So, fun fact, we learned that a church is considered on whole a diverse church if they have more than 20% of a diff- of other. Mm-hmm. So, like, if it's 80% of, of majority ethnicity and then twenty percent more than 20% other... They're diverse. Okay. We're at 50-50. So you're like, well, we, we have a 50% probably majority and then 50% yeah, not majority. Yeah. All right. Okay. And so we're you, in the minority. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, it's I'm familiar, familiar with this. Yeah. So you've got people that come from different different yeah. ethnic ways. And he, our band especially seems to yeah. be particularly So then what's the, common, what's the common monoculture then? Like what's the one unifying factor for those group of people, it's we all. I mean, Jesus. I'm going to throw the gospel out there, right? So you know, okay, you've got the gospel. <laughs> yeah, you've got, yeah, yeah. All right, there's a great youth group answer. Good job, God, Jesus, Bible. Way to go! All right, you did great. But, but like, really, no, it's it's really. So are they are they even geographically somewhat similar? Like it's blood. It's Philly area, but it's greater, so you've got you got West Philly, you got inner city, you got Bucks County, Mont. Like, yeah, and now we're talking who are like who are here at school that mm-hmm. are really from, like, Texas or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, that's We've definitely... We've got a decent amount of expatriates from different countries. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's that's definitely a lot out there. Um, so, so what do you what do in going, that type of That was kind of the discussion we are having. Right. Like, well, do we just decide how do we pick what yeah. what approach to do our songs is like we've got we've got singers that are came out of that are coming out of black churches and more, more gospel styles that want to do a call and response with the congregation mm-hmm. and we've got people coming out of more latino pentecostal type background that want to be able to just extend the song until as the spirit moves um oh gosh and that's and then you have jimmy <laughs> if you repeat it more than four times i get upset yeah um, so yes. you can i'm somewhere in the middle yeah in it's, the aisle, dancing. That's where, <laughs> where bread is. The, so there's cultural, there's theological implications to it, mm-hmm. but I'm just talking about music style. Yeah, like, yeah. How do you serve your congregation musically? Because if you play, like, if you start rapping, I can't rap. I just, I can't follow along. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you play metal, most people are going to be so distracted from the Especially loud guitars and the loud old lady who's been at her church for forever. She's going to is... think Satan's infested the drum kit <laughs> and that we have <laughs> yeah, sacrificed yeah. someone. Now, here's, so, where I, here's where I put on my gray cardigan, um, which I very gosh. literally actually have, and I get full old man in my conversation. Um, this is, I'm putting this on very, very horribly. I literally have a gray cardigan on now. Uh, this is where I get very old man and just go hymns. Like the one thing well, I've always played are hymns because you can do an ascend the hill version of a hymn. Yep, or you a Kings K a, version, or a Chris Rice version, which just p- someone jamming on a piano. <laughs> I kind of like the Chris Rice version. You're me. missing out. Oh, that's I mean, I like there's, yeah. there's I like there's good time and there's good ways of doing both. There, yeah. there, there's good ways of doing both, but I I like the more chill, relaxed, acoustic feeling hymns. Now it doesn't have to go full Chris Rice, just the piano. Mm-hmm. You can throw other instruments in there, but. There's kind of something all unifying about letting go of the other separate cultures and just coming together around, okay, yeah. him. Uh, but that's some, a culture. So that some, is yeah, a culture. It, but it's creating so, a set-apart thing that's not inherited, but something yeah. that's kind of, this okay, is, we're moving it, into. Basically, this is what Chris Tomlin wanted to do, and this is why he's good. Mm-hmm. This is why 
in all of our bashing of Chris Tomlin, this is what he did. Mm-hmm. Was he just basically stripped away the stripped fluff. away a lot of the fluff, um, and started? Hey, anybody can play. I'm going to write songs that literally you can teach 13 year old kids how to play, and anybody can sing them. Yeah, an eight year old. And kid, for the most part, an eight year old can understand, but there's enough truth in it that yeah. a, that an eight year old can rejoice in. Right, and yeah. and we should be thankful. And musically for... enough that everybody can generally. Uh, connect with it and we should be thankful for for artists like this it's not a bad thing um it's just that yeah. uh, it just got out of hand it got yeah. well it's, it, it's it became a genre in itself well because yeah. you can just drop the name chris tomlin and people know what you're talking about i that's and maybe this is the aspiring presbyterian in me or the or, you know the old man you start dunking babies we're gonna have an issue <laughs> i mean i'm fine with dunking them just don't call it a baptism anyway <laughs> You can put your baby under a sink if you want. I don't care. All right, it's how you parent is how you parent. But my my thing is like I I don't know. This is just the old man in me, and this this can't fix every church and it can't fix every problem. But I love the old school liturgy. I love just the idea of the piano and the hymn. Well, and to be fair, do a liturgy. That's not necessarily old school. That's Western. That's Western. That's Western. That happens. That bo- that was born out of the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 1,500 years after Jesus. True. Or whatever. That's very, very true. We, so well, we so that even, isn't necessarily the original way. Well, we don't even know what they were doing, probably. We I don't mean, even know what David necessarily did. No, we, we know he had before. instruments. We know he had instruments. Come at me, exclusive somebody. Um, <laughs> but, but. Psalms only, bro. Psalms only. I'm ready to do this. Let's go. Let's right. take it outside. But. <laughs> Well, as a musician, one of the things I, I really appreciate is that you can play a song two different ways and have an, a unique effect. Mm-hmm. Um, how Deep yeah. the Father's Love for Us. There, Kings K does an excellent version that is entirely different from dynamically than what you would hear. And it draws out different emotions and different truths in my heart when I listen to it than it would as the Chris Rice version or a more stripped down acoustic version. Right. So you can sing it, play it slowly and solemnly and be reflective, or you can play it dynamically and make it rejoicing and a praise and a um, almost a psalm of ascent. Okay. Where yeah. Rather than the father's wrath upon the son and uh, that my wounds have beca- his wounds have paid my ransom and all of my mm-hmm. sin being the burden of that song you can rejoice in this is how deep my father's love truly is so instead of ending there ending the song with everyone in a blubbering mess from weeping over their sin mm-hmm. you can end with everyone rejoicing and shouting because god has conquered my sin so how and you can I, do that with music then very much how do you take a black southern gospel and a pentecostal and a presbyterian and a non-denominational no political affiliation no gendered version (laughs) baptist and put them all together with all of their cultures and say okay we're gonna now do one style of music how do you maintain the integrity of an organization with how do you create how do you create a monoculture out of a Mm -hmm. multiculture you don't think you don't Mm um i think the first thing is generally Everybody has to submit to the leaders, yeah. to, to the elders, whatever the elders say. Um, so you don't have chaos. Yeah. In a um, properly done elder rule church, sure. <laughs> without getting, that's a totally Come out of Moses separate. Model. <laughs> yeah, like that's a totally this is just separate. Us inviting yeah, the hate mail. Just, <laughs> inviting the hate mail. But yeah, without the yeah. politics of elections. Anyway, um, <laughs> skipping over that, vote so for me. You can do. <laughs> One, you can make it a conscious effort to not just play one style of music. Yeah. Um, and pure, talking pure instrumentation musical style at this point. Yeah. And then there is the liturgical approach of 
what thematically are we going to sing? Because mm-hmm. um, the Psalms are not just Jesus is wonderful. The Psalms are not just life sucks. They're all of the. It's all of those things. Psalms are meant. There are Psalms that are meant to teach. There's imprecatory Psalms. God help you. You'll never see one of those sung at church. Um, and then there's. I'm sorry. There's I am such a layman. You're going to have to. Imprecatory break is God. Please dash this man's children upon the rock. For Why do curse. we not sing imprecatory <laughs> Psalms at church? Like there are Sundays where I come in and I've just watched like five minutes of the news and I want an imprecatory Psalm to be sung. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, imprecatory Psalms are basically asking God to reveal His holy wrath. Um, upon like New Jersey or something (laughs) God please clean that whole part of the country right there all the hate mail if if I ever write a psalm it's going to be or like a psalm style hymn it's going to be imprecatory and it's going to be God please cleanse America here are the five states I want you to cleanse right off the bat coming for you (laughs) Illinois Um, Illinois, I pluralized it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, man, that was just... Oh, yeah. It's a very interesting problem to have, but it's very good to discuss because too often I feel like we just go with the, all right, let's play G-C-A-D-E and and just come without with a simple Chris Tomlin and just do whatever's trending. and We basically pick music the way we pick, the way we're, like, planning a church lunch. Yeah. Let's just order from Hoagie Factory and get, like, the most generic giant plates of hoagies of yeah. italian hoagies potato salad that's all really bland and no one's really super excited about right but we're all kind but of okay every, with everyone it. will eat it everyone yeah. will eat it maybe and i think um, that's yeah that we're, we're stretching outside of just music now we're just talking about what church marketing in general it's all about how do we get young couples how do we get people who can contribute how do we get how do we get how do we get and it, it has nothing to do with who we have like yeah. the questions i always I think hear some of that is with the good intention to reach as many people as possible yeah but i mean it, it starts to like i feel like but, the music goes down to the christian draft too like okay what type of songs are most likely to be pleasable to that couple from out of state who's just moved here like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think there's a, there's a challenge of who is church really for mm-hmm. like yes is church actually supposed to be for the non-believer is I, and this is the podcast that got deleted that we're gonna have to re-record is for the love of god what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> is Go to church, please, um, please and go to church. you don't go to church for yourself. Actually, right. church is not about you. Church is not about you being fed. It, those things happen while you're there, but church is actually about worship of God. So these things should be approached from a biblical standpoint. You mean not church just, is the opposite of college? Okay, sorry. I had to just throw that out there. <laughs> you're not shopping for the best program that has the best advantage for you that you can get the most out of at the most affordable price? Oh, it's yeah. not college? Okay, tangent done. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so how do you make a church that that does feed the congregation, does lend them in worship, and I think particularly in music, we have a responsibility to understand that music is teaching. Yeah. Our, our words teach people, and they, then... No matter what you're singing. No matter what you're singing, you're teaching them something. Yeah. Um, and you can do it in such a way that you pick psalms that actually align with the themes of your sermon, or you can do it with that clash, which is probably means you had either a bad song, a bad sermon, or both. Um... But how do you lead your people, lead your congregation yeah. in worship so that they can move through the gospel in a song set? And how do you even structure your church service so that you do all your music up front and then just talk till the end? Or do you space yeah. it out? Who knows? Um, 
There's an interesting, that's a liturgical question that is far above me. I have opinions, but they're not valid. <laughs> yeah, and the, and the opinions, it's, it's to some extent, doesn't there's Because there's no Second Hesitations 5-6 that lays out proper liturgy, it's not, it comes down to Don't tell that to a Presbyterian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'd love to, cha- I'd like this, okay, anyway, we're not, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to do that one right now. Well, that kind of goes into answering your questions about style and who's playing, you know. Mm-hmm. what your church budget should be. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. Um, it's, are you are you thinking about, I'm going to play all these songs that I heard on the radio because people know them and that's what, I'm, that's what the radio is telling me I'm supposed to be playing? Mm-hmm. Or are you saying, I actually know these people, I know what they're going through, I know what we're going through in, in the Bible, so maybe I should actually think of this more like a pastor and not just someone singing songs, singing, you know, leading a sing-along. Yeah. Um, because, like you said, it's it gets you away from the personal experience. It's now about you connecting with other people and God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that kind of what fixes all of your complaints, maybe, is people actually thinking about what they're doing. Yeah, yeah from I think a, from a, approaching worship as a as worship music. Yeah, um, as worship music, and then you can get into okay, what actually makes it appropriate to sing on a Sunday morning as opposed to just being played on the radio. Like "Stained Glass yeah. Masquerade" by Casting Crowns is an amazing song, um, and I think speaks a lot to the Christian experience in many people. But yeah. it's not necessarily meant. It's not meant for a Sunday morning service, yes. right? It's um, like Jesus take the wheel. Yeah, I've uh, heard that played in in churches. What? Um, That's not a Exactly, it's but, the chorus is, but the chorus is okay. Jesus, take the wheel. That sounds. But it's Carrie that sounds Underwood. fine, right? Yeah, but she sings hymns yeah, too. Yeah, um, she sings hymns too. But really? but the rest of this, but the rest of the songs are just a it's story. Not, it's a story. Where do I live? Like, do I just live under a rock? You that don't I don't know these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> listen to music. I thought Carrie Underwood was just straight secular. Like, I didn't. Eh, she's a lot of your country artists like dance dance the line. Yeah, yeah but Jesus, take the wheel. I mean. Okay, the, the the chorus is all right. Like I, I get what the, what she's saying right. there, but she's and also very literally talking about being in a car, exactly. asking Jesus to very literally take the wheel and steer the car. But yeah, and there's a, be, you could take the other side of it that there's psalms that literally just recount the story of the Exodus. So can <laughs> stories be sung? Story I'm, in I'm church, totally fine um, with that. But like. She's literally asking Jesus to take the wheel. Like, I get, physically take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, no metaphor. <laughs> like, like, the song is yeah, not yeah, about yeah, metaphor. Yeah. You're putting metaphor well, into something was, that's not we, metaphor. We're no, going to no. go down this tangent. No, we're not going to do story uh, songs because okay. I know that'll extend us by an hour knowing you. Um, what, but what does interesting. You thought Carrie Underwood was second. Down to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Great song. Um, Devil definitely deserved to win. By the way, uh, he would have won. It's the devil. What's going on? I mean, what well, he just... wins and he loses in the song. I know, yeah. but that's so stupid. What you like, you're going to be better than the devil at something? Come on, like calm yeah. down. This is again people thinking they're amazing. You're not. Yeah. Just calm down. But the devil would have creamed you. You think Carrie Underwood's a secular artist? Debatable. But let's say oh, who's a good secular artist? Man? Chance. The rapper. I was about. Let's to... say Chance the rapper writes. No, I can't do rap. Let's hold on. What are you trying to get at? Let's say the be- like a, pr- a traditionally secular artist writes a song that is entirely explicitly about Jesus, theologically accurate and actually wonderful to sing. Joel Osteen, like if Joel Osteen wrote a Christian song oh, and it was just like perfectly, okay. it was and perfectly like, theologically accurate. Right, you, and it was just would... like hardcore gospel and just straight up like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what if 100%. Joel Osteen wrote Grace Alone by Dustin Kensrue? You don't know the song, yeah. but it's it's basically it's it's an excellent gospel outline. That okay. Is the, that what, it, the, what are you saying? Would it bother me that Joel Osteen wrote it? Yeah, it's basically the like, Oh yeah, it would bother me to no end. I, it would just drive me nuts if Joel Osteen wrote like a hardcore theology like Calvinism or like I would just know it would drive me nuts. Because all he really has to do is just kind of actually open his Bible and yeah. a couple copy times. from that. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of good Christian songs are just copying from the like. That's really copying stuff out of the Bible works. That's. It's, but there's also there's issues. Also, where, we're going to talk about sovereign grace music, just ripping whole passages out of the the SV and trying to set it to music. Yeah. Well, yeah that, but a lot of it is not written as song. Like, yeah. There's a lot of it that's written as allegory and story. Uh, just. But it just it's just lazy songwriting. So there's a way you can paraphrase scripture to make it better to sing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. that actually it, it, and makes a better song than actually just ripping Ephesians two ten through twelve and trying to set it to music yeah. because it's written in paragraph d- didactic format. I would love to hear the Second Kings two where uh, who was it? Elijah was the bald go up bald head go up bald head. Yeah. <laughs> she bears like if they could turn that into a song story, I would. This totally is why you should listen that. to Christian metal because yeah. I can guarantee you that somewhere out there there's a Christian metal band. Some nerdy kid. Christian metal bands love the Old Testament, man. <laughs> and then he smited them all. <laughs> yeah, I can Smoke. see why. I would see why yeah. they'd like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, we've way tangented, definitely far out there, and we've gone. But guess how so do many how topics. do we handle when? What's our Selena what's, Gomez had a song called "Kill Him with Kindness." When people write good, when bad people write good music, or even church-worthy music, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll even throw it out there. Dustin Kenzer, the guy who wrote Grace Alone, has recently come out against biblical inerrancy. He now he no longer affirms it. He and he's going more social gospel by by, uh, by the week, which sucks because I love his music. Oh gosh! So what do we do with their music, or what do what we, we do yeah? With what do we do with their music now? Here's, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break totally out of uh, the Christian talk just to bring up another thing to then get back to this point. Bill Cosby. Yes. If you oh, be- if you believe if you believe what's <laughs> right. being said about Bill Cosby and if you believe everything to be true, I I only know I literally only know what I've seen in the news and I believe he's been either convicted or paid settlements. I think there's enough out it was there. It's a split to, decision, actually. But it's yeah. a split decision, but it's a bit like the OJ effect. You know what yeah. I mean? Like again yeah. with OJ, you don't know whether what OJ did or not. We do. Uh, we do. Uh, we do. <laughs> yeah, but but in a, from a legal from a legal, legal perspective, standpoint. from yeah, a legal yeah, standpoint, yeah. right? Yeah. And with, with with Bill Cosby. Okay, but here's the problem with Bill Cosby. I loved. Bill Cosby's comedy. Bill Cosby's mm-hmm. comedy affected my personality. When I discovered that he recorded albums, 1984, Bill Cosby himself, that album alone, to where you might have music, I have Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. And I have George Carlin, I have Richard Pryor, probably guys in there that shouldn't be in there. Yeah. But comedians have affected me way more than musicians ever have. So for Bill Cosby to it come out... a lot. Right. Like, so with, with, with Carlin and Pryor, you knew they were worldly men. Yeah. You knew who they were. It yeah, wasn't yeah. a surprise. But for Cosby, it was like, whoa, wait a second. When all this stuff happened, you're like, this is so not the motif. Do we then discredit Cosby as an artist? Or now look what's happening in Hollywood. Yep. Kevin yep. Spacey. Kevin Spacey came but basically as a pedo. And his response was, yeah, but I'm gay. And everyone went, that's not a response to being a pedo. So th- there was some of it that's like, okay, now do we get rid of every movie that Kevin Spacey's ever been in? Mm-hmm. Or do we just stop celebrating Kevin he's a Spacey? he's a stinking good actor. He, yeah, that's in the House of Cards. He was dropped off of Netflix. He was pulled off of a uh, project. Yeah, and he should be. And he sh- he as should he, should, be. As yeah, he yeah. 100% and should be. Let's, let's but am I wrong that. for saying that he's a really good actor? But are you wrong for saying that? Right. So if you look at every actor, Louis C.K. was a comedian. 
comedian who came out and got in trouble. Louis. Louis, he flat yeah. out, he, of course, he just owned it. He's like, yep, I did it. I'm sorry. There, but there's a lot of people out there. It's like, okay, do we now discredit and throw out all of their art so, because of who they are as people? And I, it's the same thing. Like if Joel Osteen came out and did a really awesome Christian song, I might listen to it. I might recommend the song. I would immediately follow it up with, but listen to nothing else the man says. Like, yeah. there would be a lot of that. I still like Bill Cosby's 1984 himself album. I still reference it every once in a while. I still make... <laughs> I, I still make chocolate cake jokes that my wife doesn't get. But, like... Yeah. <laughs> because she just didn't see the album or listen to it. But, like, I don't advocate listening to anything he would have to say outside of his performance like that's that's the problem and i i would i'm gonna potentially make a weird biblical argument here uh a portion of the book of daniel was not written by daniel was in fact written by nebuchadnezzar um now the Mm -hmm. theory now there's people who disagree on whether or not nebuchadnezzar was saved but he was a wicked man yeah no doubt no no doubt david was a wicked man at some points of his life i mean let's be honest um and was he was an ungodly king and it's scripture yeah. It made it in there. Now, does that mean we affirm everything that they do or we absolutely not? But no, I think Solomon had a harem, I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. 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 Very large one. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> so there's there's that folks. He was the wisest man on earth. He had a harem. But it's just I don't think we we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Um cuz then you can get particular and to the point is, everyone's a sinner. Which is why people actually really like, I think, older hymns, is that no one can disappoint you after they're dead. Yeah. But <laughs> speaking of things that might disappoint you, Josie, and that's probably you brought up, the guy who wrote it as well became a Unitarian later in life. Ooh, ah, <laughs> man, that hurt. That yeah. hurt on the inside. Yeah, so uh, we don't, but it as well is a wonderful hymn that has blessed is. the church for generations. Well, and I mean, as I got older and I learned more about C.S. Lewis, you know, yeah, you get a little... Uh, yeah. Exactly. Whatever. So I mean, it's like, although Rob Bell, that was a trip. We saw too many of his videos in the youth group. Like, we had a youth pastor that basically would just put Rob Bell videos on, and then like we learned more about theology and went, "Whoa, what is this guy saying?" Yeah, that's yeah. a whole nother. He made great videos, but that's the thing. Like, he made, at one point in his life, Rob Bell made really good youth group. Vi- like, you remember mm-hmm. some of those videos? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like the bonfire yep. and all those like the crazy things. Like mm-hmm. again, do you do you stop using all that stuff? Nah, I don't. I don't I don't think I would. I like what you're saying there about that argument. Depends what you're doing. Depends yeah. on the situation. Yeah, and how good is it? Like, yeah. is there a better version out this from a guy that's solid? Yeah. <laughs> or, like, just could you re- recreate it with a YouTube camera and just call it a day? Like, that probably, probably would work, yeah. 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 So we've gone on a lot about this, and we've had a really fairly good discussion, and I think we've made a lot of fairly solid points so far. If we had to summarize um, this whole entire podcast episode about... Christian music. I think Brett actually made a really good point here that it's it's not a uh, the heart of the problem is a problem. The, of the, pro- heart. the heart of the problem is a problem of the heart, and this is the one issue that gets so emotionally tied. Like this isn't straight up just theology. We're not like yeah. oh well, if you flip to Second Hesitations three four, there's the answer right there. Like mm-hmm. this is a very human element thing. This is getting a bunch of humans to come together and agree to worship in one particular way or yeah. trying to work through that mm-hmm. so it's a very much a there there are this is the most chasing we've wind been, we've ever yeah, done we've been given a lot of freedom in the bible yeah. right how we and you can get into regulative principle of worship versus normative principle of worship or most churches don't even bother affirming or denying either one yeah. um so we end up in a chasing wind type scenario mm-hmm. but both the church has gone back and forth on both ideas for a long time. Um, it's really, 
it's chasing wind for me. I've, I've not found either argument to be particularly compelling. I lean towards regulative, but it's also when I see regulative principle applied by people who say they follow it. Could you just it's explain, explain the two okay. shortly? So regulative principle of worship basically declares that if it's not put forward in the Bible as a form of worship, then you should not do it. So only things that are done in the Bible are should be our way of doing worship. Normative principle of worship is that only things the Bible denies you doing should be denied as a form of worship. So a Presbyterian church would be a regular form, example of regular principle of worship. Um, your more Pentecostally would probably be more normative. Well, okay. but then again, you could say like a Presbyterian would say, don't dance at church. But then you could look back in the Chron- in Chronicles when David dances before the Lord and you're like, what are you talking about? So yeah. I don't understand. And then you can go further down the rabbit trail of regular principle of worship means you should only sing the Psalms because only the Psalms were sung. And again, to, come at me, bro. But then you yeah. got uh, Ephesians and, and Psalms, hymns, and spiritual yeah, and Psalms. Colossians, yeah. Yeah, so. And, <laughs> and what are those? Well, yeah, the, and they have an argument for it, but I, I went down an exclusive Everyone's Psalm. Got an Everyone's got an argument. Everyone's got an argument. These are, these are yeah, well-formed yeah. opinions, and, I'm not, and as much as I dislike exclusive psalmody, it's internally consistent. Um, but regardless, this is cha- a chasing wind top- topic that has opinions, mm-hmm. that has booms mm-hmm. that are, it, we're drawing consequences out of scripture rather than actually pointing to chapter and verse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't new. Like, yeah. Isaac Watts was getting, got a lot of crap when he started writing his own songs, mm-hmm. as opposed to singing psalms. People got a lot of crap when they started playing organs. People got a lot of crap when they took out the organs. Yeah. People got, you know, this is, it's just been going on forever because style always changes yeah, and people I'm get still, more creative. I'm still hurting over the lack of organ, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I like organ music. I like guitar music. Organ music reminds me of Brett's grandpa. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it, it just literally, it like old school Memorial Baptist days and Ted Baldwin like before the service just going through and then like having people all dressed in one color standing up on stage <laughs> singing. Yeah, but it just to, reminds me, me of to me that's that you run into more problems of separation between the congregation and and the, the worship team mm-hmm. with that type of setup than you do with the one that I play in. Yeah. Because um, you've got people literally in uniform like <laughs> saying we're yeah. different than you. Mm-hmm. Like so there's the stylistic portion, but some people, there's a level in which you're enculturated into your church right, and right. being taken out, a form of culture shock will make it difficult for you to get into worship. But there's also an element of lean in, lean mm-hmm. into it because unless there's something genuinely unbiblical going on, just embrace it and worship the Lord. Cause that's the, what you're there for is not to critique the music theme. What you're there for is to worship God. Exactly. So we've wandered down this tra- uh this trail at this point we've gone through to come up with that there is really no definitive answer to almost any of the questions we've actually asked there are better approaches there are better approaches right but there's not particularly one solid gospel music in these Mm -hmm. songs right here's a cookie cutter solution to your church's problem that'll fix all of worship and it'll get everyone involved and all their hearts will be there but to me that that's actually really beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah like that I can go into the bush of Australia and work with that and play Aboriginals their own style of music and mm-hmm. potentially translate or write a new song for them that speaks to their language. Mm-hmm. Um, or that I can go to South America and I can worship believers who have entirely different sets of instruments and music theory because music theory is cultural. Even mm-hmm. that, like mm-hmm. Western music kind of runs the world at this point, but there you can get into Arabian scales and microtonal music that is entirely different to how we break up our 12 note scale. Yeah. Like, and that's awesome. 
Yeah. Like that is the beauty of creation. That is the creation mandate being fulfilled in so many ways. Like so this is probably the one podcast episode where not being able to catch the wind is actually a good thing in this case. Yeah. yeah. The the freedom in Christ it's, to express the beauty of his creation in so many ways, both musically, lyrically, but actually caring enough to do it meaningfully mm-hmm. and purposefully. Yeah. Can't think of anything better. So that's about all we can really come up to say with before this. So thank you for joining for this episode of Light Chasing Wind, uh, which will probably actually be more than one episode based on time time frame. So thank you for joining us for these episodes of Light Chasing Wind. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it, and we'll create up some system for you to, to communicate and send your hate mail to. Um, Brett McIntyre's number will be included in the description for you to text your hate to. He prefers um, to text. Don't call. <laughs> I hate text. texting. <laughs> But another rant. <laughs> Brett responds right away to everything. I'm screwing up your whole ending. <laughs> but from his spirit, like chasing wind, thank you for joining us, Brett, and for everyone listening. Grace and peace. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Like Chasing Wind. If you want to hear more from us, you can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. To find out more or contact us, check us out at likechasingwind.com. Thanks again for listening. And as always, grace and peace.